<clears throat> Let us turn, friends, to this passage in the Gospel of Luke and chapter 15. And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not. As all the people were in expectation. <clears throat> Friends, there are times when we are in expectation. We're expecting something happen or we're expecting someone to come. And uh, this is something that should be part of our lives and our experience as God's people, living in expectation of the coming of the Lord, of the coming of the Spirit, of the coming of revival, of the coming of great and mighty things. We're entitled to live in expectation. And here we have before the ministry of Christ begins, a people stirred up with expectation. This has been something that had existed for many years among the people in those days. They, those who knew their Old Testament had read of many prophecies of a coming deliverer, a great Messiah and Savior. We read of the aged Simeon, who had been living for many years. And when he saw the child Christ, he said, mine eyes have seen my salvation. His expectation had been realized. And so let us see how this expectation works out. <clears throat> We see, first of all, a representation, then a renovation, then a regulation, then a redemption. Four aspects of what is ours in our expectation. There is, first of all, a representation. The people in those days were... In very difficult times, they were under the oppression of Rome. The <clears throat> church was in poor condition under uh, Annas and Caiaphas, as mentioned here. They were not spiritual men. There was a terrible deadness and lack of direction. Uh, but when that's why when this mighty preacher arrived on the scene, that... Um, they were stirred because they said, we need somebody to represent us. You know that we all have representatives in our government, in a democratic society. We are allowed to choose who we want to represent us locally. And then we have a representative government. In America, they talk about the House of Representatives who have been voted into power to represent the desires, the wishes, the hopes of the people. Well, in the Christian faith, there's also this 
need, this desire. Who will represent us? Of course, the great need is to represent us before God. Who do we have to represent us and our needs before God? Will God give us someone? Can you see how the people were being shaped and prepared for the coming of the Savior? They were looking. There's nobody to represent us. Nobody cares about us. Whoever we are, soldiers or tax gatherers or ordinary people, nobody can plead our case. No one will take us, our case, to the powers above. They were seeking representation. There are three ways in which we can look at this. They had questions which revealed their craving. Have you got questions this morning, friends? And is the Lord Jesus the answer to that longing that you have? The question they had for John was, are you the Christ? Are you the one, the son of David? who will be anointed by God and will be appointed to do what David did and to do what his sons did when uh, the enemy came in, grant us freedom and deliverance and gather the nation again together with its um, former glorious and godly identity. Are you the Christ? Are you the one we're looking for? for. It's the same today, isn't it? Do we really know this Savior? uh, John said to the people, there standeth one among you whom you know not. Is it possible that we're here today, that Christ is here among us, but some of us are not recognizing that this is your Christ. This is your one who has come to meet your deepest need, the answer to all your deepest questions and longings. Is this why we're here, friends? Because it's Christ we're looking for. Are you the Christ? There's another question that's being asked here. Are you wheat or chaff? Verse 17. He will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. The people are going to be divided into two groups of hugely differing destinies. There are the wheat. They're going to be gathered. In and we'll look at that a little bit later. If Christ is here, are you feeling that he is welcoming you? That he is recognizing you? That you're one of his choice? Have you got that assurance? Or are you trembling today? Maybe I'm the chaff. Maybe I'm only fit to be burned. 
What have I got to justify me saying, I am the wheat, I'm his wheat. He will gather me. I'm looking for that day uh, of the, my end in this world because it will be the day of his gathering me. Gathering me into his barn, his garner. There's another question here. Are you ready for the Holy Spirit? John is promising something. When he comes, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Do we need this fire, friends? Do we need to be fired up? We need to this ardor, this passion. Where is the evidence that the Lord has come and that we are having this fire? Isn't that what we hope for when revival comes? But friends, fire can be painful. It burns up all within us that is unsuitable and inappropriate and inconsistent with having living for Christ, identifying, choosing Christ to represent you, seeking representation. That's part of what comes when we're expecting something to happen, expecting God to work. The second thing is we must be ready for renovation. Things must change. Are we ready for change? John challenged these people with three things. Three different groups came, and they all got that answer. The first, in verse 11, where he says here, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. That's when you came out to church, you went to your wardrobe this morning and said, oh, which coat will I put on? This one or this one or this one or this one? Yes, you had a big choice, perhaps. What if you're down to two? Would you be willing to part with one of them, to be left with one? What he's saying is here, are we ready to share our essentials? You may have heard of the two children, a sister and a brother, who were going home from school in Canada in the old days, in the winter time, and uh, they had to hurry because the snow had started, and it really knows how to snow there. My family know all about it. And uh, so they hurried off to get home. But the snow got thicker and thicker. It lay deeper and deeper, and they were struggling until they could go no further. And uh, they couldn't get home that night. And the parents were out looking and searching for them. But it was impossible in the darkness and in the storm. They found them in the morning. They found the daughter, but she was dead. They found the son. He was alive. Why? Because the sister had taken off her coat and wrapped it round her little brother. 
she'd taken off in her last coat. Friends, are we willing to share our essentials? He that has two coats, I'm not talking merely about physical things. Don't you have something that your neighbor needs? Have you always got some word of encouragement for the people next door or for, for the addict down the street or for a person that you meet? It's like sharing your coat, isn't it? If you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, it's worth imparting, recommending that clothing that you have, the clothing of the king. Time to share your essentials, says John. These are, these are great days in which sacrifices will need to be made. Are we ready for it? Time to shed your excess. He spoke to these publicans, these tax gatherers. And he said to them, exact no more. Exact no more than is appointed to you. In those days, these tax gatherers made huge fortunes because <clears throat> they were allowed to demand as much as they liked from the poor tax givers. They came to John. They also were concerned. Yes, even these wealthy men realized that for all their wealth, there was something greatly lacking. They were like Zacchaeus, whom Jesus met at Jericho. And he said to them, look, you've got more than you need. That has got to be passed on, shed your excess, share your essentials, shed your excess. We talk about these people, but friends, are we giving? Is there something that we have that we should be giving more? There's so many demands I know these days, but isn't it a blessing? It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's the way to prepare so that when the Lord comes, he won't find us clinging to things that we should have let go because Christ is all. It's time to show our empathy or our sympathy, essentials, excess empathy. Verse 14 tells us the soldiers even came, these rough men. Even they were softened by the realization that something was going to happen. A great personage was about to arrive. You may have admired these rough soldiers during the funeral of the queen, how they submitted to that arduous work of carrying uh, the remains at slow pace, mile after mile after mile. And you said, how did these men put up with that taste of endurance? Oh, they had a sense that they were chosen for that hour to bear the one who had represented them for so many years. And so they reckoned it that arduous, painful task as an honor. So, friends, we 
we must live as if expecting him to arrive, our blessed Savior, and to be ready and not to be ashamed at his coming because of our cares. Even the soldiers do no violence. Of course, it doesn't mean to say they haven't to fight. It means that they are not to use their <clears throat> position of power to exploit other people. Be ready for renovation. You may not be a soldier. You may not be a tax gatherer. But are you preparing for the coming? Are you ready when that revival breaks out? Ready for renovation. Welcoming regulation. Of course, here we don't welcome regulations, do we? We get sick and tired of them. But here we're talking about the rule that the Lord Jesus, that the Messiah will bring in when he comes. <clears throat> and is described in a very picturesque and colorful way. John quotes from the prophet Isaiah. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The crooked shall be made straight. The rough ways shall be made smooth. You see, that can't just mean exactly what it says. No, of course, it's picture language describing the impact of the Lord Jesus at a spiritual level when he comes. What difference will he make? A massive difference, as if mountains are flattened and hills are raised. I remember last time going over to Canada, that we flew into Vancouver. We hadn't done it before. And looking down, we could see these massive mountains, a huge barrier between the Pacific and the rest of the country. Of course, we just soared over them effortlessly. But I was thinking about my namesake, is Simon Fraser, the first man to reach the Pacific in the name of the Queen. And they had a huge battle to break through these mountains. One, he had to sometimes drag the men through these ravines because they were almost suspended over a huge drop into the raging streams below. <clears throat> and it was just by brute courage that he managed to break through that fearful barrier. We soared over it. And before that, the great Canadian Pacific Railway broke through by tunneling under the mountains. And so you can today travel effortlessly through to Vancouver Trans at the spiritual level. Isn't this what John is giving us, or Isaiah is giving us, of the coming of the Lord Jesus? There are mountains that prevent you reaching the blessings and glorious times of his power. You say, this nation has passed it. We're not the people 
like these people of old when revival came. They're not of that character. Our sins, the provocation of our sins is like a mountain. But the Lord Jesus breaks through. He tunneled through the darkness of death to make a passage for us. The mountains shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight. Did you ever think of a, an age in which people are more twisted, more perverse? And when we're exalting people that are living lives of perversion. Oh, you say, it's too late, isn't it? We'll never see our nation change. But it's happening. It's happening. People from these vile lifestyles are being changed. They're giving testimony that they've been delivered. It's a sign of the coming of the Lord. Do you know this? If there'd been 10 righteous people in Sodom, God would have saved it. If there'd been 10 people praying there, but there was only one, there was only Lot. So friends, if we pray, everything can change. Yes, even angels will visit us. And heaven will come down, and we will be amazed at the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord shall be seen. He shall straighten the rough places. He shall smooth the rough places. I ask you, friends, what is causing you most bother and most trouble in your spiritual life today? Are you taking it to Christ? Are you asking him to smooth out that problem that you have? That's what's holding you back, what's preventing you advance. It's like a rough road that you struggle along, burdened. This is what the prophet, the prophet says. When he comes, when he comes, the rough ways shall be made smooth. When I went to the island of Mull, the roads were very rough through the hills and mountains and round the coast. It took a long time to get around, but <clears throat> towards the road builders arrived and new roads were built as if the Lord was preparing a way for me to reach down to Bonessen and over to Terloisk and round by Greben and in a matter of a year or so, I could sail around the island over a hundred miles every Lord's Day. That's what happens when the Lord opens a way, smooths the path for us. Oh, friends, are you, have you ground to a halt? Are you making the spiritual progress? He has come. We're living. He is where he is. He's about to come. As, Paul, as John the Baptist was preaching, Jesus was there, unrecognized. Then at his baptism, he was revealed as the beloved of the Father, as the mighty Savior, as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And so, friends, we come in closing to this. 
Rejoicing in redemption. Rejoicing. John's message was one for joy. It was challenging. It was demanding. But it was also a realization of their expectation. Oh, friends, let's expect great things from God. Let's attempt great things for God. <clears throat> Why is it a matter of joy? Because we shall see him. Says here in verse 6, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. How did they see it? It was there in the person of the Lord Jesus as he walked among them, as he saw his face. We beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And they were privileged to look, see that face, see him face to face. So that <clears throat> when Philip said, show us the Father, Jesus said, hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. We're not going to see Jesus. We don't think anyway. You see him return in the flesh. But friends, this is what happens in times of great blessing and revival. We see Jesus as we never saw him before. His presence becomes so real that we see him as he is. We shall see him. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. Not only this, but we shall feel him. We'll not only be observers, we'll experience Christ. Doesn't it give us a sense of his glorious presence, even to talk about it this morning? John said, this is what it will be like. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He will feel just like these people on the road to Emmaus, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us by the way? Friends, when you open your Bible tomorrow morning, remember Jesus is there. Remember he is the one who will open up the scriptures to you when he comes and you feel that burning fire, your love is renewed. Oh, what a day it will be when we receive that glorious day of revival for which we are beginning to pray as never before. We shall feel him. Remember what Murray McChain said to the people. He said, it's not enough for you to hear the word of God. You must feel. Does everyone here know what it is to feel the power? The grace, the tenderness, the glory of the word. You shall feel Jesus. You feel his touch upon your soul. That woman afterwards went round her friends after being healed. And she said, he touched me. I touched him. Reach out and feel him. Rejoicing in redemption. 
Not only shall you feel him and see him, you will belong to him. You'll feel that you are his. He will gather the wheat into his garners. It's lovely when you gather something in in a harvest time. It might just be going into your garden to gather in the, the vegetables or the potatoes. And you, you say to your wife, these are ours. They were planted there in the spring. We watered them. We weeded them. And as a result, by the blessing of God, here we've got something for our table. It's ours. That's what Jesus will say. After he's finished with us, after he's done all that work, planting the seed, watering it, weeding it, working on us, digging and dunging, as, as the thing says, then he will present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. Let us pray. O living God, grant us to be living in expectation. He is coming, and days of blessing are awaiting us to those who live in hope and plead in prayer and prepare themselves, discard all that's unbecoming and un inconsistent with living for Christ. Give us that compassionate care for those around us, sharing the precious truth that we have. Oh, deliver us from being silent Christians. Give us a voice and give us a story to tell. Bless us each one through thy word and throughout this day, as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll conclude by singing in Psalm 85. Psalm 85 at verse 6, that in thee may thy people joy, wilt thou not us revive? Show us thy mercy, Lord, to us do thy salvation give. I hear what God the Lord will speak. To his folk, he'll speak peace and to his saints, but let them not return to foolishness. We'll sing to the tune St. Bernard, verses 6 to 13, of Psalm 85, that in thee may thy people joy. <clears throat>
intimations as follows. The prayer meetings will be on Thursday and Saturday at 7.30pm. The services next Sabbath will be at the usual times, 11am and 6.30pm, and will be taken by the Reverend Ian Smith. Building fund, there will be a building fund collection taken at both services today. Prayer meeting, there is a prayer meeting for revival to be held in Leverborough next Saturday at 10am. Next Saturday at 10am in Leverborough. Further intimation is that the building committee would like to give a short presentation on the new man's kitchen design options in the session room after the prayer meeting this coming Thursday. They're keen to get any feedback from the congregation on the kitchen plan and be interested in hearing from those who may be able to contribute any ideas on layout, design and the facilities needed to be provided. So all are welcome to attend that meeting Thursday after the prayer meeting. Now we conclude. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit remain with you now and ever. Amen. <clears throat>